All right, welcome to Locked On Knicks. I'm your host, Alex Wolf. Still no Gavin today. Uh, he was trying to get free, but he's he's off on a business trip right now, so he wasn't able to get free to pod with us tonight. But I say us because I've got my good buddy, Drew Steele, from Posting and Toasting on tonight. Oh, that's uh, is that my cue to speak? That is your right. cue to speak. Yeah, oh, say okay. club. Hey, guys. How's everyone doing? I'm here for, you know, emergency. That's the only time Alex wants to speak with me when he needs me. Yep. Yep. I, I break the glass and I pull out the Drew for the podcast. And that's just how it goes. Uh, so Drew and I tonight will be talking about the Knicks game in London against the Wizards, which is going down at three o'clock. I'll say today because this podcast will be a uh, Thursday morning special. And then after that, we're going to talk about Luke Cornett's wild, wacky trip around London. And then lastly, we're going to talk about the French media getting a little salty with David Fisdale and the long-awaited return of Mitchell Robinson. All that and more coming up on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Knox foul from behind. Count and one. What he does is contagious. Like. To Trier. Trier drives. Oh, oh, and across the lane. The Porzingis fires up a three. All right, welcome back. We're ready to rock. We're locked on Knicks. So I got, as I said, Drew Steele with me today. You might know him on Twitter as at Toots, a.k.a. Doug Steele. What's up, Drew? Oh, not much. I just have a little glass of wine. I have my water. Got my computer open for all the stats and lineups that we're going to talk about today because we're super prepared for this so i'm ready yeah. to go what is, what is it about everybody's drinking wine on the show when they're coming on with me does, does everybody need to get wine drunk to talk to me is there something i need to know no you know what it is i had a really long day at work <laughs> so i'm like <laughs> i'm having my wine and i'm just and i was just like okay i'll come on the podcast That's all right really cool all this. yeah i mean we we know that james is a is an alcoholic so he needs to, and he needs to get help. Okay, James Dolan, come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk a little bit. Should I should I bring out British Alex again? Did you listen to me do British Alex the other day? I love British Alex, and you should. <laughs> it would be. I just like the idea of you just doing the like one whole podcast in your British accent, just to throw. It would be off. really hard for me to get. I could barely even get through an intro in that, let well, alone I, a whole. I podcast. can't do one, so. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So that's why I'm super impressed. Even though I've been listening to the Harry Potter audiobooks with Jim Dale. So I've been trying to like harness my inner Jim Dale and it doesn't work. All right. Well, let's get into it a little bit. The uh the Knicks and the Wizards of Washington. We'll talk, talk a little bit about this matchup. All right, I did it. There. See. That was good. That was All amazing. Right. All right. So let's uh <laughs> let's talk a little bit about this. So John Wall is obviously been out for a little bit now uh and the wizards we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit in the second segment but they're not doing so hot lately uh the knicks played them what was it 
the Knicks last played them in the beginning of November. And since that game, the Wizards have won one game, a 125 to 124 overtime win over Portland. Now, granted, they've also played a pretty hard schedule during that time. They had to play. It's been a lot of West Coast teams. So they played uh, after that Knicks game on November 4th. They played. Uh, oh, that's that's weird. I'm looking at ESPN's schedule and it has November 4th. After, oh, oh, wait a minute. Shit, I'm looking at this like backwards. God, I'm you, an idiot. You, you can do it. I believe in you. Wow, I'm so stupid. Okay, well, we'll just leave this in. This is not Alex's finest moment. I was looking at it backwards, so they've actually won quite a few more games than I thought. But they still kind of suck. Like, they're still in there. Since December 8th, they have lost, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 games. And they have only won 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. So they're 7 and 12 in their last 19 games. That's still not very good. Not quite as bad as what I was initially thinking by looking at their schedule, which for whatever reason does not show the most recent thing first. But uh, at any rate, they have a couple wins recently, one against Philly, one against Milwaukee, and then they just lost to Toronto the other night in double overtime. So I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts about uh, the Wizards here and, you know, how this matchup looks for the Knicks with the John Wall-less Wizards, John Wall, who traditionally kind of kills the Knicks. I wouldn't be surprised if the Knicks win. And yeah. I, as much as it pains me to say, because, you know, we're in pure tanking mode, got to secure the best odds possible for Zion. But I don't know. I just have a feeling that they're going to they're gonna win. I don't know why I have this weird suspicion. I mean, they played the, the Sixers pretty well the uh, the other night. So I don't, I don't know. I feel like they just maybe just going to Europe is just going to do something for them. I don't know why. Like I don't really have any sort of like, you know, really good foundation as to why. It's just more of like my gut feeling. I know because yeah. the Wizards aren't good, but they also have one. What it looks like is one, two, three, four, five of their last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, five of their last nine games without John Wall. Because he's yeah. been inactive since the uh, the Chicago game. So, like, the guy have been playing well without him, but I just have a weird feeling that the Knicks are going to win. Yeah, I kind of have the same feeling in a weird way. Um, in addition to everything else, I believe I saw today that Mitchell Robinson's going to make his return for this game as well. So that could definitely sway things in on, you know, towards the Knicks' way. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. that. I can't shake this feeling either that the Knicks, for whatever reason, are going to be energized by the whole London experience and and they're just going to come out wanting to win this one after, you know, coming so close against Philly the other day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That they're going to, you know, feel like they're kind of owed a win at this point because they played so well against Philly. But I guess we'll see. I mean, I think it'll be intriguing to see kind of the... Um, well, I can't even say like the revamped Kevin Knox because at the time of that first game... Uh, Kevin Knox wasn't even active because he was out with his injury. So it'll mm-hmm. be interesting to see Knox versus Otto Porter, who's traditionally a, a pretty good defender uh, of wing players. So that should be an intriguing matchup to watch, I think. That might be like the one thing that I watch the most for the game tomorrow. Yeah, I'm actually looking more forward to the Luke Cornett, uh, Dwight Howard matchup. Is Dwight <laughs> Howard in the lineup now? I actually don't even know. No, I, I don't know what playing. his status is right now, but that... <laughs> 
it would I mean, certainly be interesting watching yeah. Dwight try to chase him out to the three-point line. Yeah, so as you can see, we're both very informed on uh, on Wizards talk. So I'm almost certain Dwight's back from his butt injury. I'm going to find out right now. Look at this. You, right now, guys, you're listening to us read the internet. <laughs> and that's brought to you by Squarespace. No, Dwight's out. Dwight's out, okay. Yes. So I don't know who... I don't know who Luke Cornett's facing, but I'm excited for that matchup because he's been fantastic. I love watching Luke Cornett play. It looks to me like Thomas Bryant is their starter at the moment. Who? Thomas Bryant. Yeah, never heard of him. Yeah, I, I've heard one. of him. I, I couldn't really tell you much about him other than that I've heard of him. But oh, okay, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, they're, you know, they're probably on lockdown Wizards right now. They're probably like, Thomas Bryant's going to face Luke Cornett. They're like, who? Who's Luke yeah. Cornett? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would probably say that about half the Knicks players if I wasn't a Knicks fan, right? Like, this is kind of going to be it, – it, could the NBA have possibly scheduled, like, a more craptastic matchup than this Wizards and Knicks game that they it, put there? Like, I don't know if they could have possibly picked two teams that are, like – Knicks-Cavs would have been bad. Yeah, that would have been really terrible. Uh, I guess they could have done, like, Knicks-Suns if they really wanted to drag the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, and then sold yeah. it as like a matchup of lottery picks or whatever. But yeah, that would have been an yes. awful game. Yeah, definitely any matchup between the Knicks, the Cavs, and the Suns is definitely like cream of the crop, bad NBA. Yeah, who do you, who do you think the fans are going to be rooting for? Like, who do you think is going to take the take the stage as kind of like the home team here? Who has? Um, it depends. Who has more European players on their team? I think the Knicks do. Right? I think the Knicks do. Yeah, and. Because like France is just across the uh, the English Channel, and we have yeah. our and our, our boy Frank, so I think the Knicks will have the uh, the upper edge in terms of like you know quote unquote home court advantage. Plus, I think yeah. they're just a, they're just a bigger brand anyway than the Wizards. So, yeah, I think so too. I I think I think for whatever reason the Knicks are like kind of popular globally because like if you recall, everybody always freaks out because there's like the picture of. Um, uh, Doncic wearing the mellow jersey. There was, I think, Porzingis used to have like Knicks gear, like before he got, you know, like when he was a little kid or whatever. He had like a Knicks shirt or something. Like it just seems like everybody, for whatever reason, likes the Knicks overseas, even though they do nothing to deserve it. Man, you bringing up Doncic in the uh, the Knicks jersey just pains me. Does it kill it you just, that it was a it, mellow shirt? I mean, kind of, but it's not that big of a deal. Just like yeah. the, the fact that. Donchus is playing for, you know, the misogynistic, disgusting Mavericks just kills me. It just, it pains me. Like, why is he, why is he on the doubt? Like, why is he on the Mavericks? And then all the teams that pass them up, it's just, just brutal. I just hate, it still, it still irks me a little bit that the Kings, the Kings lost, what, one less, or one more game than the Knicks last year, won one less, and they hopped from eight to two, and the Knicks yeah. totally could have had Donchus, and... And then the yeah, Kings even managed to screw that up. <sighs> like, I don't. Know. I mean, you could you could argue about the fit because like Darren Fox is balling out, but still, it's that's, just that's it's like a, the worst. That's <laughs> like the worst reason. Yeah. Like, oh, we have to, like I love Darren Fox. I think he's absolutely fantastic. He's like you know going to be a great point guard, but just one of those things like you don't you got to pick the best player, and it's Doncic. So you like you have to go with him. Yeah. All right. All right. We should probably get back on track to like the whole. The whole Wizards and Knicks. Yes. Thing here. Yes. Okay. Um. So, 
I don't know what it, what's what's something that you're intrigued to see about this game because I don't know to me I I think I'm just going to be more intrigued for like the atmosphere of the game more so than the game itself. Like mm-hmm. I said, I you know we've both kind of said that we have this weird feeling that the Knicks are going to win this game, so I'm going to brace myself for that and not get too mad if they do because I, I'm definitely like fully on the tank at this point. Like everybody should be. Like we're past the point in no return where you can reasonably hope for anything other than a high draft pick now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. I mean, I'm rooting for the L here. I want a good L like the other day. Like I want one like like against the Sixers where they show some fight and maybe not mm-hmm. scores like 25 again. But I don't know. What's what's something that you're looking forward to out of this game? It's not just this game, but it's pretty much the rest of the season and what's been like for the past couple of weeks. I only care about if to see how Knox tries to improve his efficiency because he's really not efficient. Like he is putting up like these numbers, but they're like, he has like a true shooting percentage rate for like under 50 for the season. No, that was before, but like this past month, when he won rookie of the month, he had his true shooting percentage, of like 50. And that's not good. Even though he put up 17. So I just like to see him become more efficient. And I just want to see if Frank is going to be aggressive. Like he was against the Sixers. Like those are the only two things I care about for the rest of the year. Like that's it. I mean, well, and then to a lesser degree, if uh, Vonley is still really good, but everything else, I, I don't care. <laughs> like I'm at the yeah. point where I just I'm like if Moody is good or bad, I don't care. He's not really a part of the future. Um, who else on the team? Like Tim, he's not even playing. I don't really care. Courtney Lee, I don't care. <laughs> like I'm just so almost like apathetic right now because like Chris Stapps isn't back. I want to watch him play, but I can't. So it's just I want to see Frank do well and like actually you know attack the run like he was attacking Embiid and you know and Knox. That's it. That's all I care about. Yeah. Yeah, I want to, uh, I, I think Frank is probably, you know, Knox, I, I do want to see uh, play well again, but I really want to see how Frank turns this around from, you know, the, the good game that he put up against Philly. And then he might, as you mentioned, I mean, right across the the uh, English sound from from France, you know, there I might be a is good... It a, is it the English sound or the English channel? English channel, uh, in, whatever, it English Channel. I think you're probably right. I don't know why I said sound. Okay, listeners, um, call in and tell us which one of us is right when you get a chance. <laughs> they can just tweet at us. I, it's you. <laughs> it, it, I'm fully acknowledging it's you, though. It's definitely yeah, guys, the English Channel. Guys, I yeah, said the wrong thing. Yeah, just tweet um, at me or Alex the correct answer. We won't, we'll <laughs> let you guys find it, even though we can look it up right now. But it's up to you guys. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway... Uh, it's funny because I just had a conversation with James yesterday about making sure to correct guests. And then I've like, you know, made two boneheaded things just in this one segment alone. Uh, yeah, don't don't listen to what James says. I would just do the opposite of what he says. OK, like, so I'll just keep spewing fake news, fake news. Yeah, all exactly. The place. Just, yeah. just make up stats and be like, do you know Knox is shooting 70 percent from the line? He actually made yeah. it. that actually made it right. But this is anyway. this is the Nixo Wars <laughs> podcast. Um, <laughs> uh Anyway, I was going to say, Frank, potentially with like a like a partisan crowd behind him, could have a good game here. Because if a bunch of people come in from France and to cheer him on, he could have a, a crowd that's kind of solely there to see him, which would be kind of cool. And I'm, I'm curious to see if maybe that'll ignite him a little bit. Granted, Fisdale might do the same thing he did on Christmas and see that Frank has a big cheering section and just like sit him down for the whole game and DNP him like he did when his mom came to Madison Square Garden. But who knows? I guess we'll see. But anyway, we should probably wrap this first segment up. So we'll come back in just a minute. 
But first, you're locked on Knicks, and uh, we'll be right back. All right, and we're back. You're locked on Knicks. I'm here with Drew Steele, Mr. Toots himself, Scooter Toots. And yeah, just tooting it up. Tooting it up. <laughs> and we're going to talk a little bit about Luke Cornett's wild trip around London. Because quite frankly, this has been like the most dead long break of Knicks news, perhaps of the whole season. Like, I, I can't really think of a time when there's been less, like, off day news than there has been this week. It's kind of wild. Like it seems like every time the Knicks have three days off between games or whatever, there's like 50, you know, Chris Stapps is leaving and like the sky is still falling and Kevin Durant hates the Knicks stories like just pop out. And uh, that didn't really happen this week, which maybe it's just like a distance thing that there's so much, like maybe all the, all the print media didn't get to make the trip to London. So like, they Wait, you don't you don't, don't think Stefan Bondi is taking the trip out to London to uh, cover this game? I guess not. I don't know. Like, I know, I, and I'm not like saying this at his expense, but I know the Daily News is not doing very well at the moment. They've had a lot of cuts, so maybe they decided not to spend the like thousand dollar round trip or whatever on plane tickets for this one. But I don't know. Yeah, I I'm guess not yellow there. journalism isn't doing too good these days. Yeah, I guess. Um, but anyway, so. So we're left to talk about, you know, goofy things, which I probably prefer anyway. I think you prefer that too, right? Goofy things are way more fun. And oh, yeah, absolutely. There is none more goofy than Luke Cornett. Uh, I should probably, if if people are listening along right now, like if you're on your cell phone or whatever, and you want to follow along with this, kind of like we're reading you a book or something, you could go on Luke Cornett's Twitter feed. It's at BigShin32, like Big Shin as in like your shin bone, and then 32. He had this like hilarious thread <laughs> yesterday. Wait, what? What else did you think Shin was? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they thought it. Maybe they'll think of a creative way to spell Shin. I don't know, man. Like, oh man, that was, but, that was very unintentionally hilarious. Yeah, you know, I, I'm good like that. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so Luke went on this grand adventure around London, and it was maybe the most entertaining thing that I saw on Twitter yesterday. And you know, that's not saying too much because Twitter is sometimes a horrible place. I think yesterday was was yesterday the Big Macs at the White House day. Uh, that might have been two days ago. Okay, I don't even know. Don't even, don't even get me started on that yeah. whack stuff. Either way. Well, it was because Trump had Clemson to the White House, like for their like White House visit, you know, the, the football team. And his idea of a grand feast was buying them fast food. So he literally bought like, like, a thousand dollars worth of like whoppers and big macs and like kfc or some shit like yeah, i don't well, know maybe if we stop throwing a temper tantrum and and this uh government shut down the pays uh you know the government employees who cook all the meals this wouldn't be a problem now would it be yeah no it probably wouldn't be anyway back to back to great great britain uh so first off we had luke was looking at a buckingham palace guard and he wrote, distant, committed to work, and refusing to react to my desperate cries for attention. Is that you, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This is, I just, I freaking love Luke Cornett. Like, I actually, I, I'm getting to the point where I'm going to be really upset if, you know, free agency kind of dictates that he has to be a casualty this summer. Because I really like how he plays right now. And I think he could be a good backup to Porzingis. But then on top of that... 
I'm also like, just, I freaking love this kid. Like from a personality perspective, I think he is very funny. Like he's the perfect, like goofy white dude on the team. Yeah, he really is. We need to keep him at all costs. I mean, look, if it's between Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving or Luke Cornett, you know, I'm I'm leaning towards Luke Cornett, honestly. I mean, we don't need a we don't need a snake like Kevin Durant or you know someone who believes the Earth is flat on the Knicks. Let's be real. Yeah, I mean, well, at the expense of Luke Cornett. I mean, if Luke can stay and Kevin Durant can sign, then you know he's no longer a snake in my eyes, and he can come be you know the best player in New York. But if Luke has to go, it's a deal breaker. Yeah, it's a deal breaker. yeah, no, okay. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm kind of feeling the same way. I'm not gonna lie, like. Luke then, you know, after he's done with the Buckingham Palace guard, he took a picture, apparently, like, the the crosswalk symbols in in the UK are just a guy chilling with his hands in his pockets, as Luke said. He said he's mm-hmm. a big fan of the man chilling with his hands in his pockets as opposed to the big halt hand on crosswalks. I kind of agree. This is a measured, nuanced take. I, I feel like I should maybe have Luke on Locked on Knicks now for this level of nuance oh, in I don't approaching know about this. That. Do you think Luke Cornett would actually say anything on the podcast, though? Because you know how players are when they, like, talk. Like, they don't really say anything. It's very, like, PR scrubbed or whatever, and it's nothing fun. Luke Cornett would be the one dude that would give you a show, I think. But I wouldn't even talk to Luke about, like, basketball or, like, basketball drama stuff. I just want to talk to him about, like, Harry Potter and stuff, which I apparently now know that he's a big fan of. Yeah, that made more. his exploits. Yeah, Luke, if you're listening, come on Lockdown Knicks. We'll, uh, we'll have you on. Yeah, Drew, I'll tell you what, I'll make like a blood oath with you right now. If I have Luke Cornett on, I'll invite you on as well, and we can oh. have a good time. You, me, and Gavin will have a good time with Luke Cornett. Yeah, you know, you know what the problem's going to be? He's going to call and be like, he's not gonna, yeah, he's going to you know, call on the cell phone and be like, hey, Alex, I can only record at like 2 p.m., and I'm going to be stuck at work, and it's going to be like, no. And I'm yeah. going like, yeah. to be like, hey, guys, I'm going to have to take a break. I don't care how important the meeting is or anything. <laughs> Luke, Luke's recording a podcast. They'll be like, who? <laughs> your new job is pretty important now too right aren't you like helping needy kids or something yeah it's kind of more, th- more <laughs> pretty much <laughs> so you're gonna be like screw the kids for like yeah, half an hour much. i need to go yeah. talk to luke Cornette on the phone <laughs> yeah exactly screw these kids i got i got luke Cornette to uh speak to i don't care how important this uh be like be like true we need you to secure this funding nah, i don't care find another <laughs> million dollars somewhere <laughs> <laughs> all right all right so I'll get back to one. I'll, I'll do one more out of Luke Cornett's Twitter thing here. Although there was plenty of gems. He had like eight straight tweets that were just pure gold. But the one that endeared me the most to him, and this is now making, I think, three straight Locked on Knicks episodes that I've talked about Harry Potter. But he went up to a phone booth and uh, he said, the search for the visitor's entrance to the Ministry of Magic continues. And he went up. And he like typed in the same code that they type in in the movie <laughs> to access the Ministry of Magic, <laughs> and he just like I think I'm I'm not listening a volume on and not screw up like my recording right now, but I think he said something to the effect of like Nope, not this one, <laughs> on to the next one or something like that. I just died, man. I just I don't know. I love Luke. I think he could be like a stand up comedian when he's done being a basketball player. No, I don't maybe. think he could do that. No, yeah, he... maybe not stand up, but he could be like like. In he a sketch like, comedy show. I was going to say, yeah, he could be in, like, the Upright Citizens Brigade or something like that. And, like, they're, like, their B show after everyone else is, like, gone for the night. Like, they're, like, they're all good. Like, oh, we watched the A show. And it's, like, here come our scrubs. Like, yep. Luke Cornett would be one of those guys. I mean, Luke Cornett would get by a lot comically just from, like, his giant height and general, like, gangliness. 
and kind of like goofy lookingness. I think he would definitely yeah. get by on that. Yeah, probably worth like so. some points, like just by itself. What uh, what what do you think Luke Cornett's favorite Harry Potter movie is? Not book, movie. Uh, I hope it's the last two because I think they're the undisputed champ. Like the last two movies were the ones that best captured the books or like the book, I should say, because they finally like like those last four books, three, four book, four through seven, four, five, six, Mm -hmm. seven, the last four books. Yeah, they they were kind of a little more. um in depth, I guess, because those were the, where they started being like 800 pages a piece. So it was a little hard to capture all that in like two and a half hours or whatever. So I felt like the last one was the only one that really like did justice to like the big meaty books. And it did really, really, really good job. So I would I would hope that his favorite is the last two. Well, see, for me is so I only recently decided to actually well, I'm technically listening to the books because I'm doing the was it Audible on Amazon and I have a bunch mm-hmm. of free credits. So I just downloaded the books. I never read them when I was younger, but I watched all the movies and I've watched them like multiple times. I actually love the uh, the entire series, you know, the film series. Mm-hmm. And even though I get what you're saying about Deathly Hollows Part One and Two being like the best, especially when you treat it like that. But to me, my favorite and what I think the best one is is uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, the third one. It yeah, is... I I love that one too. I think I think in my like power rankings, I would probably do. Uh, Deathly Hallows 1 and 2 would be number 1 and then I actually like Gobble to Fire is my second the favorite movie the book is a lot better than the movie it is but the movie I still thought was very very good yeah, the, um, movie's, the movie's still good but I just, I just recently finished the book Gobble the book is amazing and the, the book's book fan. It's, it's so far the best one of the uh, yeah. of the series that I've gotten to so far I'm currently in the uh, what's it called Order of the Phoenix and it's yeah. been okay it's, been, it's solid so far but it's not Gobble to Fire Order of the Phoenix really, really ramps up at the end of the book. Like it gets, it yeah, goes it like a fever a pitch for the last like five chapters and, and it's pretty memorable. But um, yeah, but then I would say my third favorite movie, I think was Prisoner of Azkaban. Like, yeah, that was, I, you know who directed that, right? Uh, I know that it was a director that was already kind of famous, but I forget the name. Yeah, I'm going to butcher his last name because I always do with uh, anyone who's not from, you know, the U.S. It's Alfonso... Curran, Curran. I'm gonna sorry, sorry, Alfonso, if you're listening. Um, he's the guy who did Children of Men, uh, E2, Mama Tambien, um, Gravity. Like he's done amazing films. He did recently did Roma. I still need to get to it right now. Like oh, he okay. is like the like legit like director. And if you haven't, have you watched Children of Men? No, I have not seen that movie. Oh my god! Listen, Children of Men is arguably, I wouldn't say arguably, I'm going to say it is the best film of the, so far, of the 21st century. It's definitely the best of that decade. Wow. Children of Men. It's, I can't even explain it. Like, we should stop the podcast right now. Go watch Children of Men. Then come back and finish recording. Same thing for the listeners, too, if you haven't watched Children of Men. Well, you do do bring up a good point that we should probably take a break and then come back (laughs) and do our last segment. Because we're rambling about movies and stuff a little bit now, which I could do all day with you, Drew. Yeah, because I love I love talking about pop culture with you. But this is Locked On Knicks, and after yesterday's James Marcita centric James episode, the self-aggrandizing, self-centered. 
episode yeah. of all episodes. <laughs> James's farewell. That was all about James because that's yeah. just how James would want it. <laughs> James's farewell, and he's gonna be like, um, "What's the, uh, forget it? Just let's go to break." Yeah. Um, anyway, out with the reference, <laughs> you're locked on Knicks. We'll be right back. We're gonna be talking about uh, the return of Mitch Robinson and the French media getting a little salty with David Fisdale to start off the press conference today. All that and more coming up. All right. And we're back. And I know I said literally two seconds ago, we were going to talk about Mitchell Robinson, but then I was alerted of some new news. Uh, so we're going to check that out instead. Apparently Stefan Bondi of the New York daily news uh, is reporting that the Sixers have expressed interest in Noah Vonley, according to a source. So instead of talking about Mitch Robinson, who we know pretty well already, we'll talk about this, this new little nugget of information. I'm kind of curious, Drew. You and I, you and I both enjoy the whole salary cap game. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Uh, what do you think the Knicks could potentially get out of the Sixers for Noah Vonley? I mean, that's a pretty good question because the thing with Vonley is he's on a minimum deal, so that's not a lot of salary, and they can't use any sort of like the good bird rights against him, you know, for him to resign because he has non-bird rights. That's only 120 percent of his previous salary. So that's going to be just under 3 million. I think if I'm not mistaken, I don't have all the salaries pulled up in front of me. It, it would be like, I think, th- I don't even know if it would be that much. It would be like 2.2 yeah, 2. Yeah. million or something like that. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's not very much. Yeah. It's something very, very small. So they can't go over the cap to resign him. And if they're looking to resign Jimmy Butler to Max Steele and all that sort of stuff, finally he's going to effectively be a rental. So if he's just going to be a rental, you're not really going to get too much for him in terms of being offered. And if you're the Knicks, I mean, like if you're playing NBA 2K, you would just trade him for the best possible deal, right? Because like he, he built up his value. He's going to be a free agent. You would just take the pick and then re-sign him in the, you know, the 2K offseason, right? But mm-hmm. that's not really how things work <laughs> in the real world NBA. So... I think it's tricky because you kind of want to keep Vonley like in with you and in with your team because say the Knicks don't win the lottery and they miss out on Zion. Like he's probably the best free agent available. I don't know if Julius Randle is going to be a free agent. Um, he probably will be. He is a, he is a player option. I think okay. in the second year of his deal, but it's like for a fairly low number. Yeah, and so with the way that he's that. been playing, he should be able to get higher than that, I would think. Yeah, so, like, between him, like, between Fondly and Randall, like, those two are probably the best available guys who fit next to Porzingis because you kind of want someone who can, who's, like, a beefy guy who can rebound, who can set picks, you know, who can defend on the, you know, who could theoretically defend on the perimeter. Julius Randall can't really play defense, but Fondly can. So you kind of want those guys paired with Porzingis. That's why everyone loves the fit, you know, with Zion in New York, because Zion's probably the perfect uh, player to play next to Porzingis. So, I, I I know I'm rambling right now, but more, more or less, like, you kind of want to keep him, but I, I kind of get, like, trading any sort of asset for him, because you may lose him free agency, especially if we're going to, unless, like, Kevin Durant actually may, you know, sign with the Knicks. So, you can't sign Bombay if you sign Kevin Durant. So, why not get anything for him? Well, so this would be, yeah, this would be my theory or, or my approach from like a human resources perspective to if you're going to trade Vonley, 
you just kind of explain to him, like, look, like, we love you. You've played phenomenal for us this year. But the reality is that by keeping you, we don't get that much of an advantage to give you more money this offseason. So, you know, we want to spend the money on you regardless, but we'd rather we'd rather a send you to a team that has a better chance to actually win something this year and B get something to help strengthen the team for years to come. And then just kind of give him like a wink, wink and a handshake and be like, look, hopefully we'll see you this summer. You know, like we would definitely like to have you back. And this is purely business. Like this is just to help get the team better for now uh, or for in the future, I should say, you know, try to advance the team in, in hopefully the not too long term. And then, you know, just kind of frame it to him that way and be like, look, we'll let you play some winning basketball for the rest of this year because you deserved it. You earned it, you know, by playing on this shit team for so long. And then we'd like to bring you back in the summer. Hopefully you'll come back to us. And that would just be kind of how I would approach it. But um, I guess as far as as far as packages go, it, it would be kind of tricky because he makes such a small amount of money that it's going to be a little difficult to find you know, a, a player, you know, without getting much back because Philly's Philly used to have that kind of treasure trove of, of draft picks and like a zillion second round picks coming into them. And they still have a fair amount in the far future. Like they have, they have four extra 2021 second round picks. Uh, they have two extra 2020s. And then they have two extra 2019s. But the one 2019 is from Milwaukee or Sacramento, the most favorable of the two. Even so, that maybe will fall in the, the halfway point of the second round. But they do have a 2019 second round pick from Chicago. And that's kind of significant to the Knicks in a weird way because the Knicks acquired last year's Chicago second round pick from uh, the Thunder in the Carmelo trade. And that turned into Mitchell Robinson, which was like a huge addition for this team, hopefully for the coming years. So that could actually be a decent trade chip. But um, the other potential wrinkle here is maybe maybe using this as a way to get rid of Courtney Lee as well, if they're that into Vonleh, take on maybe their least favorite you know, person out of their you know, bottom of the roster type guys like Korkmaz or something. And then, or Amir Johnson for that matter, and then take back someone like Wilson Chandler, who's an expiring contract, and send back Courtney Lee, even though Wilson Chandler's been playing some decent minutes for them lately. But I, you would figure Vonley would kind of be to replace Wilson Chandler. But now, at the at the you know risk of me rambling a little too much, now I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are about potential deals here. Yeah, the only issue is I don't know if Philly's going to want to take on. Courtney Lee's extra year and look to move in the offseason. Well, they wouldn't even so this is the this is the interesting thing with Philly is they might not even have to do that because they're gonna have it's freaking scary to look at, but they're gonna have almost if Jimmy Butler opts out of his contract, which he will, they're even if they had Courtney Lee there for his whatever it is, like twelve million, they would be at about sixty three million dollars on the cap so they would have like almost 40 million to spend still even with courtney lee on the roster yeah but they would have to in order for the, like to free up the space like if they if jimmy butler declines and he still has a cap hold 
and they would want to keep the cap hold in order to retain his bird rights. Sure. Well, I mean, and that's if they decide to keep him. But there's uh, there's talks of like that division between him and the team. I guess my point is their options would still be open. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, yeah, that that's fair to say. Just it does come down to what do they actually want to do with Jimmy Butler, right? Mm-hmm. So if they're fine just letting Butler walk, which would be a very ballsy move because you know they gave up two really good role players that fit with them long term roster wide, like everything that what they do to uh, get Jimmy Butler, then just let him walk. That's, I mean, that's something, but. Well, the thing is with the, with the bird rights and stuff though, is that you don't have to, uh, you don't have to renounce it until right at the moment when you decide that you're not going to sign that player anymore. So if it's through like the moratorium and, you know, they're kind of, they're taking meetings with, let's say they get a meeting with Kevin Durant and they get a meeting with Kyrie or something or like Kawhi and someone like that decides, Oh, I want to sign with, I want to sign with Philly. Then they'd be like, okay, well, Jimmy, there's the door. Like we're going to take Kawhi instead of you because he's like a way better version of you. Um, But they don't have to renounce his rights until like they have another contract in hand for someone else. So it keeps their options open in that respect. Like they'd be able to chase a max free agent with Jimmy Butler's cap hold still there because all they have to do is renounce it. If they decide that they don't want him. No, fair enough. I mean, that's a good way of approaching. I mean, they could also do things, you know, like decline Markel Fultz option, trade him mm-hmm. for, you know. Well, like it's too could... it, it's too late at this point to decline Marco Fultz's option for next year. Uh, those have to be finalized in September, I think. No, and I'm talking about like the 2021. Oh, oh, his next trade. year option. Right. Yeah. And then, beca- then, you know, once the draft comes around, you know, when the 2019 caps, he's essentially an expiring contract for, you know, $9.7 million. So you could just so you could just move him for something, right? Mm-hmm. So it's you're right. They do have flexibility. So if they do want to strengthen up their bench and basically replace Chandler with a uh, um uh, what's his name Vonley, oh Vonley, yeah, <laughs> right. Like that's what you're you're effectively doing is that. Um, so it's not like the worst idea, and then you strengthen your bench with a. Yeah, I mean it's, it's not a terrible move for them. Yeah, like it doesn't I mean, what do you kill think? their. It doesn't kill their uh, flexibility. So yeah, if it came down to it, and the Sixers had two offers on the table, one offer you can do a straight swap of Vonley for Korkmaz, and they give you that Bulls second rounder, or the other deal, we do the the one that we just discussed. You get Wilson Chandler and Korkmaz, so two expiring contracts for Vonley and Courtney Lee, and get out from Courtney Lee's money. Which one do you think you would do? I'd probably do the second deal. Yeah, I, I think I would, too, for the money. I think so, but at the same time, I mean, I wouldn't mind getting the extra pick. And then when the offseason comes along, look to uh, look to trade Courtney Lee because then he becomes an expiring contract. And maybe a team wants to, you know, Tim's contract isn't as, you know, grand. You just have to worry about his player option. Maybe a team wants to take a flyer on him. So, I mean, both deals are fine. I mean, I would I would take something like that, but. Again, like Vonley is probably someone you kind of want to keep around to play with Porzingis, so it's it's a tough call. Yeah, yeah, I concur. All right, we'll we'll wrap this discussion up because I think we've pretty much kicked all the tires we can kick here. But let's get on to the one that I know that you're like chomping at the bit to get to here, which is the French media. I got to give a shout out to French Knicks Pod. Uh, they're a, a French and English Knicks podcast based out of France which is just wild to think about when we were talking about kind of like the global 
reach of the Knicks earlier, that there's like someone who is that into this kind of cruddy franchise, probably because <laughs> of Frank Milikina, that countries away, they would start a podcast about them. But they're great on Twitter. Uh, it's at French Knicks Pod if you want to check them out. They, uh, they'll do translations of like uh, French media um, interviews and that sort of thing with Frank so that you can get kind of a different perspective from his native tongue with reporters from his, his native land. But uh, they tweeted out today. I think they actually got to go to the practice today, which is pretty sweet. Um, it must be nice to <laughs> like be over there where podcasts can get media credentials and stuff. That must be pretty I know. That's pretty but, he, he says, first question for Fizz by French B-Ball Media. Why do you not trust Frank? <laughs> <laughs> so the French media, I guess, is not very happy with how uh, how Fizzdale has been treating Frank this year. What do you think about this this development of the French media uh, kind of throwing a little shade at Fizzdale to start things off? See, part of me wants to be like, what did Fizz say in response? But I know it's something skeevy and, you know, snake oily in response anyway. So it doesn't really matter because Fizz doesn't actually say anything. Something he says actually means what he says. Like, it holds no value. He just says it just to say it to make people happy and for Knicks fans to be like, oh, look, he's saying positive things. The team's going in a great direction because he's saying all the right things. I don't care. It's meaningless. Nothing Fizz says has value. It's absolutely ridiculous. And he's right. He doesn't believe in Frank. It's it's absolute nonsense. Like he got benched. Like that starting unit that we that so many Knicks fans, especially I posted to us to talk about with the you know the plus eight um, net rating. They only had one bad quarter, and just in that one bad quarter against the uh, Magic, everything changed. And then we have all these crappy lineups moving forward, and Fizz completely lost faith in Frank because of one bad quarter. Now, I get there's many things that Frank has issues with in terms of consistently being aggressive. He's He needs to take over the offense more when other players aren't doing well. There's things I totally get. But Fizz doesn't always put Frank in the best positions. He doesn't play the best rotations for him. He doesn't give him like the best minutes, distribution, any sort of thing like that. He has all the faith in Moutier. Moutier can do no wrong. You know, despite playing crappy defense now for the past month or so and not being efficient, he does no wrong. Tim has plantar fasciitis. He's pulling hamstrings. He's not healthy. He's chucking up heat checks when he's not on fire. He does no wrong. Alonzo Trier can isolate whenever he wants, despite having probably a negative 50 effective field goal percentage right now. <laughs> Doesn't matter. He's allowed to do that. But Frank, God forbid he tries to run an offense with shitty players. But nope, go to the bench. You're not being aggressive. Like, it's absolutely ridiculous. Treats him like crap. I mean, if Frank... Yeah, so... That's basically the end of my rant. I just hope that Frank continues to play like he does in the Sixers game. So it forces Fizz to play Frank more. But then again, I don't know. What if Frank accidentally passes it to an open teammate? Is he going to bench him because he's supposed to be shooting the ball? Because, you know, shooters got to shoot. I mean, ugh, I don't know. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't trust Fizzdale at all when it comes to Frank and all this stuff until I actually see some results. Because I don't, I don't know. I think that Fizzdale appreciates when Frank is getting his teammates involved in a way that's in a way that's not just like Frank definitely. I mean, I love Frank too, but Frank does have a tendency when he's kind of in one of his like bad Frank ways. He, he has a tendency to kind of bring the ball down as far as like the three point line and then immediately look to bail out of the play when he's oh, not. I, I agree. Like that's yeah. absolute nonsense for Frank. I'm not, I don't mean to come off as like Frank does no wrong. Frank does tons of wrong. 
But at the same time, if you're the coach, you have to figure out then how to put certain players that you're saying are part of your future in better positions. So if you don't want Frank to pass out the ball, how about you take out Alonzo Trier, who's killing the offense? Right? Like like, like little things like that. If you want Frank to attack the rim, don't play him with Ennis Cantor, who camps under the rim looking for rebounds. Do you see how much more aggressive Frank was when he was playing with Luke Cornett, who actually opened up the floor for him? Like he had Mm -hmm. driving lanes. He was getting to the rim. He was getting past Joel Embiid, who's arguably the best shot blocker in the NBA right now. Like, if you give Frank some space, he can attack the rim. Like, it's it's nonsense, some of these things, with the, yeah. with the rotations and who he's playing with. Like, I get that Frank needs to improve, but if you're the coach and you're running the team and you're trying to put these players in the best position to succeed, you have to do other things as well to help maximize it. And if Frank still isn't doing those things at least you can fall back on saying, hey, I did what I was supposed to do. Now it's up to the player. Like, yeah. if Frank is still passing the ball when there's no offensive options, like, then we could be like, all right, that's on Frank. And if Frank isn't attacking the rim despite having floor spacing, that's on Frank. But if you're playing with certain players and certain lineups, I can't really specifically put all the blame on Frank or even really differentiate because I don't really know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could definitely I definitely agree with you on the point of like putting Frank out there with uh, Burke and Trier like that was happening for a while or even just or even just one or the other is just not a good strategy because Frank is not developed enough as an off ball player to really look to get involved in that situation. Like, yeah, that's another thing. Frank yeah. has to improve on is his off ball movement because he doesn't really yeah. do anything. Like he's so long and lanky, and he's supposed to be like a cerebral player. He, he can't figure out when and how to cut for cutting lanes. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's kind of troublesome to me, especially if we're talking about oh Frank can just turn into like you know he's like six foot seven now. He's going to gain how much muscle? He'll just be a three, right? Yeah, but he doesn't really have any off ball stuff. Like he doesn't really cut, and he's not shooting well. Yeah, yeah, that was the other development from from French Nick's pod. They that you just mentioned that Frank says he's six foot seven now, which is kind of a new development. That means he's presumably grown another inch since this past summer when he was, uh, you know, he, he had apparently gone from six, five to six, six. Now he says he's six foot seven. So that's another thing to consider. I don't know. I feel like at the risk of going too long on this, cause I, I think we should probably wrap up in a minute, but uh, I, I think that a lot of the judgment on Frank should be, you know, kind of have a qualifier on it, I guess, to a degree, because when you're still growing like that, I mean, I know for it's maybe like weird to put yourself back in that like frame of mind, but, you know, NBA players are kind of different than the rest of us. Most of us stop growing, you know, anywhere from junior year of high school to maybe freshman year of college, something like that. Basketball players, I mean, they're they're huge individuals and usually genetically they're like crazy. And in the case of Frank, like he's still growing and presumably if he follows like the Anthony Davis track, um, he could still be growing until, you know, he turns 21 next year or something. So I I think that some some like patience should be given to him just on the fact that if you put yourself back in in your shoes of when you were like still growing, like in high school or whatever, an awkward ass time like when your body's growing and like especially for a basketball player like for frank where handle is such a important thing for him his arms might be growing you know another another half inch or whatever 
and his whole body might grow another inch. And that like totally changes how you have to dribble a basketball now. Like now all your muscle memory has to be adjusted like an inch to an inch and a half. And I'm sure that's not easy, but I don't know. That's, that's another mini rant for me. Frank really brings out rants in people one way or the other. Frank is just like a rantable player. I think it's the weirdest thing because at, even at his ceiling, he's, he's what the fifth starter on a really good team. Like, yeah. we know he, like he's, we know he's not going to be a superstar. Like, no, yeah, I think, I think best case scenario, at least like as he's projecting right now, is that he would be like, like you said, like the fourth or fifth best player on the floor, and just kind of like a glue guy that plays the defense that you need down the stretch, but isn't necessarily going to ever be the guy that you're counting on, like to win you games on the offensive end or anything like that. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't really see him that way. I mean, he could become like a fifteen point scorer that'd be wonderful i don't know because i don't think he's really we haven't seen too many opportunities for him to do any of that stuff anyway but like i said frank's we knew he was going to be a project (laughs) you know being drafted like we knew it was going to take years and years before we kind of fully realized what he's going to be and if he's still growing (laughs) like we kind of have to give it a little a little more time yeah yeah i concur i am team patience as well with frank so I, I knew you and I were in agreement over that, though. So it's good okay. to have someone that I know is is all about that Frank life as well. All about that but Frank life. Anyway. All right, Drew, I think we should wrap up for today because we've already gone like way longer than I thought we were going to go. But damn it, you're just so fun to talk to that I enjoyed this so much. Uh, why don't you tell everybody where to find you online and all that good stuff? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Scooter Toots. I do need a lot more followers. I don't have enough. And I really need some attention. And you know, more love. And that sort of stuff on Twitter. Like I want more interactions for like my articles that are on posting and toasting. Like I want all the likes. I want all the retweets. I want everyone to be like, oh my god, this is so amazing. Thank you for writing this. Like I, I need to be validated <laughs> that way. And I'm also going to plug The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. That's on Amazon Prime. So go watch that show because it's probably the best show on television right now. Amazon thanks you for that plug. They they need all the help they can get. Well, Jeff Bezos <laughs> is going to need my help because he lost about half his money. So I know that's what I'm saying. That's what I was referencing. <laughs> anyway, that guy's, that guy's an idiot. Yeah. Well, you know, he's a rich idiot, but an idiot nonetheless. Yep, it's very true. Anyway, all right. Thank you so much, Drew, for coming on, listeners. Uh, thank you all for listening, and. We will be back tomorrow to break down this Wizards game. The first game in what feels like an eternity for the Knicks. A whole four days, thanks to all this London travel. Not quite sure who I'm going to have on yet. Might be going solo. Might have a guest. Who knows? We'll figure it out. I just, you know, I'm going to play it by ear tomorrow. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe. Give us five-star ratings. Ask your Amazon Alexa to play podcast Locked on Knicks. Very important. Because you wouldn't want to have to use your fingers to do this type of stuff. Just do it automatically. And that's all for today. All right? We'll catch you tomorrow. Have a good one. All right. Sweet. I got to think up an outro like James used to have. I'm always, I always just end with like, bye. <laughs> Yeah, you'll come up with something.